and welcome to this podcast. I'm Laura Horton. And I'm Michael Bentley. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for joining us, everybody. Happy November. How are you, Michael? I'm very well indeed. Thank you. November. Oh, how did that happen? <laughs> I know. I know. I love it. Only uh, two months left of the decade. I know I keep talking about the decade, but oh. fact. It's a fact. That's it. Two months left of the decade. So we have, as always, got some questions uh, this month. We've got some interesting ones, so a variation here, which is quite good. We've got one from a newly appointed treatment coordinator. We have one from a practice who's really busy with uh, their hygienists and really booked up, but they've got a problem. Then we've getting lots of gaps in the diaries. And we've got one who's having, struggling, uh, having a struggle recruiting. Um, they actually offer a really good package uh, to their employees and they're asking us whether they should be putting that in the advert or not uh, there's a bit of um un people are unsure in the practice between the managers and owners they're not quite sure which is the best thing to do so we'll answer that as well so michael shall we just get straight into it let's do that let's do that right so the first one is from a tco and it is a female and she says i'm a newly appointed tco i'm discovering the role and what it actually entails my question is, as a TCO, there is pressure on me to deliver results as soon as it started. So what best techniques can be used in order to achieve the results that are expected? Can this be not only through organisation, but tools such as prompts, scripts and questions to further help me within the role? Thank you very much. Oh, I think this is a really proactive person, isn't it, that sent this in, who, you know, clearly does want to do well in the job. And I think it's fantastic that they, you know, got this change in their career as well, which is lovely. I think what's interesting is saying there is some pressure on me to deliver results. And, you know, we work with a lot of treatment coordinators who very much um, have been doing what Michael and I did back in the day, um, which is, um, you know, trying your very best, seeing what works, changing things as you go. Um, it's actually a really hard way, isn't it, to be doing it? And we always take our hats off when we go into practices that have been using treatment coordination, sometimes for a number of years. Uh, I mean, many practices are still new to it, but when we work with those uh, practices that have been doing it for a, up to a number of years, we always take our hats off to them about what they've achieved, uh, because it's usually uh, fantastic. I think, you know, what I'd say to this person and anyone else who's starting up is actually go and have a look at our website because there's so many resources. If you go into the library section, you can actually select articles, for example, that are just for treatment coordinators. So you'll get to see lots of different, uh, different things there. But I think it all comes down to really, well, what is expected of you? And I think as a newly appointed TCO, if that's not clear, you need to make sure that it is. What types of patients are you going to be seeing? For what types of treatment interests? How are you going to be supporting the dentist and the desk? Sometimes people think treatment coordination is dealing with recalls, it's dealing with outstanding treatment, and actually it's not. And we do experience that again quite often, don't we, Michael? Where people have said to us, oh, I'm a treatment coordinator. When we're discovering what they're doing, it's not actually treatment coordination, which is a bit, ooh, a bit, bit of an awkward one always. Um, but it's about understanding the role first and foremost, I'd say, wouldn't you, Michael? Like what is expected? Having that on paper, a really clear job description. Yes. And, and, and I think you've answered everything really well. 
and I don't want to add too much to complicate what you've already said. And I think first and foremost, it is understanding what the treatment coordinator is going to be used for. And as we know, there are different aspects for that in terms of, is it a free consultation role in the practice? Is it working alongside the dentist doing what we would call initial consultations? So when patients see a dentist and a treatment coordinator on the same day, then you have the area of working with existing patients where existing patients need a lot more communication as part of their treatment plan. And therefore that moves into a treatment coordination role. And then you've got all the other aspects as well. So you've got planning for an options meeting or a treatment presentation. That's part of a treatment coordination job for new and for existing patients. And then there is going to be follow-up work, which I think falls into the boundary of outstanding treatment. And one of the things that we both recommend is, is that you know what patients are in treatment. And therefore, once a month, you go back and have a look at the patients that are in treatment. And if they have been working alongside a treatment coordinator as a buddy, then that is the right person then to make a call and go, are you okay? We've noticed that you haven't been in for any more treatments. Have you got any questions? Has something happened uh, that we need to be aware of to bring that patient back into the treatment plan? And then of course, you've got the wonderful side of things of end of treatment celebrations. So, you know, I've said an awful lot in a one minute there. You said an awful lot in, in the, <laughs> what you were saying as well. And what I would say is there really isn't a shortcutted way to be a treatment coordinator. I think you and I, Laura, have, had, have got over 20 years experience between us. And there's no need now for practices to be wading through murders treatment coordinators. There's enough people out there now that can guide you and support you with two of those people. And as you've tuned into our podcast we might be the right fit for you and it is about finding courses and starting to cement what you do want to do with treatment coordination and go on a journey mm. with it and um, you know and, and that's why we are so passionate about training it and supporting it because verbal skills are not easy to come by you've got to have the verbal skills trained so that actually you understand what you can and cannot say my other hints and tips are is re you really really need to get on with your dentist mm -hmm. and you to observe them if you don't know them very well so that's always something that I say you need to watch their new patient examination experiences you need to critique their own patient experience with a patient and you need to formalize a way of working together so that you've got this wonderful two-handed relationship which is back to four-handed dentistry for me, that's what treatment coordination is in, in, in terms of communication. It's having that four-handed approach where actually it's seamless between you. Yeah. So when you're treatment planning, it's like, I know where you are. I know how your brain's thinking. I know what we're going to need for that in terms of consent forms and guarantees and, you know, uh, picture selection and x-ray selection and, uh, you know, um, models and all sorts of different things and testimonials, you know, patient testimonials, mm -hmm. such a massive part of treatment coordination. And in our wonderful world of social media, telling stories is so important. And, you know, we're doing masses of training on an end of treatment celebration now and, uh, and gaining a story for a patient, which actually you have to do the start point right, which is the 
consultation to get a fantastic end of treatment celebration story because if you don't know the start of a patient's story how can you possibly get an end of treatment celebration so I think it, I think the question's fantastic, but it's very broad. And I think my my aspect would be, yeah, go on our webinar pages, as you said, go on some courses and then look at some, some bespoke uh, training for the practice if they're very serious about the role. And we haven't even mentioned, have we, what the treatment coordination room needs to look like, what it needs to have in, in it as well. So there are so many different things, isn't there, um, yeah. to, to, to look at. Yeah, and I think just to add into it for this lady, she said, um, you know, in order to, to achieve the results that are expected, well, again, what is expected? Yes. That can't be up in the air. That needs to be really clear. What is expected from your role? Who are you there to support? What is the priority areas? Because the other thing is people try to go all guns blazing with treatment coordination and implement you know, seven areas at one time and you've just really got to slow it down and say, well, this is a priority area first and we're going to do this area first because it's going to support this dentist or this, we're going to do this bit first because it's going to support the desk, you know? So yeah. it's about saying, well, and what is the expectation then? What's the result then? Well, the result yeah. might not be figure-based um, I talk a lot about time-based. So you might be saving the dentist time. That might be the result. Your dentist no longer sitting at work till nine o'clock at night, coming in at 6 a.m. Is that the result? If that's happening, then you've achieved it. So what are the yeah. results? I think you just need to be really clear with, you know, you use the word expectations quite a lot. So get those expectations yes, down on paper. Yeah, that's fantastic what you said there. And also, you know, really supporting reception. And one of the things that we always say, and if you're perhaps not doing treatment coordination yet, and this is happening to you, where the receptionists are negotiating with patients about their treatment plan and membership and clinical questions, that's not for the desk. That's a, that's a fantastic treatment coordination opportunity right there for you. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I would say is as well, in terms of what's expected, in terms of targets, we always say now, don't we, through our practices, Laura, and when we're lecturing, and it might as well start on a podcast as well, that the real role of treatment coordination is education and it make, allowing the patient to make an informed choice about their solution to mm -hmm. the concern or the goal that they have. And by doing that, that will equal a sale. Yeah. It's not a sales job. It yep. is about education and allowing patients to make informed choices. When patients are allowed to do that in the premise of their own characteristics, and you can go on this personality profile that's part of our webinar section as well to have a look about you know, different styles of personalities. Once you do that really well, that's when People like myself and Laura have got real results in practice because it's about understanding who you're talking to. Mm -hmm. And when you can master that, that gets real results in the practice. And for me, that's a target. Absolutely. So, yeah, um, I would, I'm going to send to this lady the vision plan for the treatment coordinator role. Uh, we've got yes, six point plan. So if anybody else yeah. like that, just let me know. Just drop an email. Uh, to laura at horton-consulting.com and I will send you over the vision plan for the role and do let me know if implants are mixing into things because I've got an implant coordination one as well and sometimes they cross over but I'll leave that there maybe that will prompt more questions 
Right. Great question, though. Yeah, and we really like it when people are going, oh, I'm going to ask them a question because people have said to us, haven't I mean, we do the Horton Hangout on our courses. That's where it's, uh, you know, well, one of the places it started. So people write down questions and hand them in without their names. We always do that on courses. So we get really good questions. And we always say, do you listen to our podcast? Have you heard of it? And everyone says, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we say, we're sending questions. And they say, well, I just feel a bit, you know, uncomfortable to. Well, don't. Send your questions in. That's what this is all about. Yes, send the questions yes. in. We love questions. It's like loose swimming with Michael and Laura. <laughs> So if we have, if we've had exactly the same question before that we've answered, we will direct you to the immediate podcast that you need to listen to. Um, So don't feel that you'll ever be duplicating anything either. Right. The next question is about the hygienist then. So this again is something that happens quite often in practice, isn't it? This practice has got two hygienists, both of which are extremely busy and booked out until January. However, we're getting a lot of last minute cancellations despite having a really good cancellation policy. Is there anything else we can do to further stop this happening? So really good question. They've got a cancellation policy. I think what I will say on this is many practices that do have a cancellation policy, I I like to call it a system because patients don't like the word policy, that will rile them up. Um, Patients, practices that have a cancellation system, you really do need to, you might have it there in black and white, which is good, but just go into the, how is the communication about it being delivered? Because the moment you say to a patient, oh, you sure you can't make it, there will be, a, uh, there may be a charge. And they say, how much? And you say, oh, I don't know. It's at the discretion of the manager or the owner. That means you actually haven't got a system. So it needs to be the team are delivering, you know, really clear communication. You know, Michael, you know, I can amend that appointment for you. But if you're sure you can't make it today, because there will be a charge, we do require 48 working hours notice to amend an appointment. So, you know, that language behind it has to be really clear. There will be a charge. Now, whether you're going to charge people the first time or not, we always recommend we actually let them off the first time. Um, You know, it's just having that verbal skill that helps people go, yes, I'll keep that. And, And if you're having a problem with a lot of last minute cancellations, as it were, if you're doing a 24 hour, you definitely need to move to a 48 hour to allow you time to fill those spaces without a doubt. Um, I've got a few more tips, but Mike, do you want to say anything? Yeah, I mean, my tips, we might, we might share these. We probably have the same, one of I thought. That, yeah, one of mine is definitely going to be the hygienists that are listening to the podcast. You need to make sure that you are goal setting for the patients to have a reason to come back for their next appointment. If they're left with, oh yeah, we'll see you again in three months, six months, whatever, it doesn't sound very important. And a lot of life gets in between a three monthly or a six monthly appointment. And therefore, how important is attending the hygienist appointment? So what you've got to do is you've got to say to the patient, when I see you next time, I'm going to check this, this and this. And, you know, the health of your mouth is at 68%. I want to see it at 80 next time. That's your goal. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's allowing the patients to carry something in their minds to go, do you know what? It is important. I go back for that next appointment. Mm. And the reason why that is needs to be underpinned as well is that's the same for the dentist. You know, um, I was talking to a group yesterday. I was actually doing a session on interlocking treatment coordination. And what we're talking about with the, with the hygienist is what, that, you know, the dentist and the hygienist have really got to work hard on prescribing 
the right amount of appointments for the patients and for them to both reiterating the importance of attending the prescribed appointments. And language is really important. The word prescription means something to a patient. If I prescribe you something, then it means you need it. Yeah, because we're in a habit of not having, not taking things unless they're prescribed for us. You know, I know there's over counter remedies, there always will be. But at the end of the day, if somebody prescribes you something, you're like, oh, you prescribed me that, I must need it. Mm. So therefore, you know, you've got to make sure that you don't just throw it away after an examination. Like, oh, see you in six months. Yeah, see you next time, which I definitely hear a lot of. Yeah, it's about giving a goal to a patient. Because this time of year, people just go, do you know what? I've got other things going on. It's dark outside. Can't be arsed with it. I'm going to cancel my appointment. (laughs) If you haven't done it as a prescription and you haven't set a goal, then that is going to affect things. Those practices that are able to offer membership, and I know that we have a lot of Irish uh, podcast listeners as well, that unfortunately this solution isn't for you. But um, for the UK-based practices, membership is an opportunity for you to match your prescription with the right membership. Mm. And if you can do that, then that's a real win-win because it means that a patient's already paying a monthly payment for something that they're being prescribed for. So they will come every three months because they're paying for it, they understand it's a prescription, and they've got a goal from a hygienist and from a dentist as well. So if you can strike those three things, then you're on to a real winner. Um, But there's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of communication. And it's all about what you can do to be proactive for patients to stop them from cancelling appointments. If they've got to pay another 65, 70 pounds to come in to have a half an hour appointment, for an example, and they're thinking money's tight this month and Christmas is coming up. Do you know what? They're going to cancel. Yeah. That's a fact. And yeah, most appointments, you know, most practices now, some people might really bulk at what I'm about to say, but practices that have got their figures right, and that is the key thing here, practice that have, have really invested time in their finances and analysis and getting their fees right, they, you will find their half an hour appointment with the hygienist is averaging between 75 to 85 pound or euro for that appointment. And, you know, if you're in that situation, actually, sometimes what we find is because that fee is higher, that patients are also valuing that appointment a bit more as well. It's not a quick £42 flick around the hygienist is cleaning my teeth. It's something that is, you know, valued a little bit higher. I'm not saying go and whack your fees up overnight by an extra 30 quid. But, you know, you really need to look at, you know, what sits behind it as well. But, you know, with what Michael's saying, yes, you know, people are looking at going, I could do with saving 75, 85. You know, it's like, um, you know, ladies and gentlemen, the, the price of a good cut and colour, isn't it? You know, um, you know, I'd be expecting to pay a good 90 pounds for cut colour. Uh, blow dry so you know it's about putting that similar value on it we're not finding people cancel their hairdresser appointments on the run-up to Christmas by any means uh, oh my god I said the c word in November ah um <laughs> other tips <laughs> I love Christmas I'm not a bar humbug but I think let's not say anything about it till December um right a couple of other things as well uh, your answer phone messages are usually big problems in practices so Um, I would always make it so that at the end, once you've given out all your emergency contact details, it says, please note, this device does not take messages for cancellations of appointments. What that means is people can't be ringing you on a Sunday going, I've got to cancel my appointment for tomorrow. 
your your cancellation system does need to be working hours as well not just 24 hours or 48 hours because you're not open most practices on a saturday or sunday therefore people shouldn't be ringing and leaving a message on the answer phone and thinking they they're in your system they've done as they're told they're doing good don't allow that to happen you want them to ring the practice to change their appointment and that's when you can deliver clear communication that there will be a charge and how much that charge is um, I think the other just cut the tips is um, do make sure you are being really proactive if you are booking far ahead and people do need appointments soon make sure you are being proactive by building up your cancellation lists so you can bring people in uh, when you do have this situation going on and lastly I'd always be looking ahead in the diary we have our regular offenders don't we we see their names on the day list we know they're going to be late they're not going to turn up they're going to cancel at the last minute we know who they are they're our regular offenders so you need to be proactive with them and be having a look through and ringing them and saying you know we have noticed uh, you know your last few appointments you have changed at late notice you have been charged for that we know you've paid that but i just want to check that next week's appointment does still work for you because it's better to have a space in a week's time than it is in a day's time um, so be proactive with it. And if you're going to charge people, make sure you're charging them there and then on the phone, not sending an invoice in the post or surprising them with it when they arrive the next time, because they most certainly won't remember it. And then it just causes an awful scene at the desk, which quite frankly, isn't great for anybody. So I think that covers that one. What do you think, Mike? Oh, I think that's a, a perfect answer. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're on fire today. Yeah. Well, that was... <laughs> great hints and tips and again if it promotes more questions specifically within that subject then we'd love to hear them and we'll answer you know specifics exactly exactly right okay last question so as a practice for our uh, team members but particularly our dental nurses we pay their annual retention fee we have great packages which include all their cpd we take them away on courses many of the courses that the dentists go on they go on we go to a lot of conferences that aren't cheap that we're um that our dentists go to and again we take the team with us and we do this regularly throughout the year it's really important to us However, we are struggling to, add, um, to get new dental nurses. We are advertising the hourly rate. We pay a really good basic hourly rate. We do have salary banding. We're now wondering if we should be advertising our package as well to get people interested a little bit more. What do we think? Well, I think absolutely, because you've got to entice people, haven't you, when they're reading. You know, I mean, it's great you're advertising the hourly rate, as we've said many times, people aren't going to change jobs for an extra 10p an hour. Um, but what they are going to do is change jobs for a great hourly rate, a new challenge, something interesting, and for, you know, a better package for them. So if they're currently having to pay their annual retention fee, then that's great, isn't it? If they're currently having to pay for their CPD, then again, great. In regards to saying that you go away a lot, for me, I personally wouldn't put that in. I don't know what you think, Mike, but it might, people might think, oh, I've got a family that doesn't work for me. I'm not going to integrate in the team and might, they might not apply. Um, I mean, I think that's quite an interesting concept, really. Do you or don't you put that in? Because some people are quite reserved, aren't they? And they think, oh, I'm not up for that. You know, I'm a good team player, but I don't want to be going away. You know, do you know what I mean? That kind of thing can put people off. But for other people, it might excite them. So I'd rather have that discussion face to face to see how they react to it. You know, read the body language. 
but without a doubt, I mean, it's so hard, isn't it? You know, we say this all the time to get great nurses. Great nurses are being offered good money now. People are really clocking onto this. We've got to pay them well to keep them. You know, they're great. You know, we want them. We want them to stay. We don't want them looking anywhere else. So you really have got to get everything you can into your recruitment advert um, to entice them to apply. What do you have, Michael, in these final few minutes? Yeah, I mean, again, I think you've, you've answered that brilliantly. What I would add is, I think, you know what? For me, people need to remember that you've got to stand out from the crowd with an advert. Mm. You've really got to talk about, you know, what that new person has an opportunity to do in your practice. And you've got to spell it out. And you've got to be unfrightened, really, to sell yourself and go we're going to give you a fantastic experience if you come and work with us and if you've got unique opportunities in your practice that you invest in to support people's education and growth my goodness me put it in the advert yeah because somebody's got to decide to a apply and you know if you're on a course with me and hr i'd be saying there's an application process that needs doing as well so you really have people that are really interested in the position well they're not going to be really interested in the position if there's if they can't see through your shop window what would make it exciting and you know i think the holiday situation you know taking people away and doing different things with them you know building uh, a team in a different way I actually think should go in the advert because it makes you stand out from the crowd and it won't suit everybody I agree but it's about finding people that suit your business and we say that all the time as well mm -hmm. you know, if you're a business that has a coach coming in every three months and it's going to keep challenging them then put it in your advert if you're a practice that you know takes um, you know dental nurses on training courses alongside dentists in different areas of the practice such as implants and orthodontics and sedation and that's going to be expected then put it in the advert yeah you don't want somebody you know coming on that goes oh i don't want to go on a course about sedation i'm not interested in it well tough luck you know this is the job this is the person that we want to do that i think nurses are really looking about using their scope of practice and we talk about this a lot with dental therapists actually don't we laura about yeah. them you know they're dying to use what they've learned and i think with nurses it's the same you know they've got all these different extended skills and if as a practice you keep blocking them from using these extended scope of practice they are going to move on so yeah. for practices that are utilizing the scope of practice don't make an assumption that the nurses are going to know that you've got to put it in black and white we ask our nurses to do photography we ask them to use uh you know itero we ask them to be involved in patient educational sessions we ask them to go to schools and do you know oral health education sessions at schools we ask them to go and do marketing opportunities and brand awareness at different events around the country you've got to say what you know you've got to talk about what what these people um can do and hopefully your job and with salary banding and that's in other podcasts it's also in um blogs that we've done as well so go back and have a look at those but if you're offering a package that contains utilization scope of practice progression you know and with a great salary then you're more likely to get a fantastic nurse aren't you absolutely so that would be my hints and tips. Yeah. I don't know whether you agree with that. Yeah, I just think for some people, you know, it's not going on the courses, it's going away, away. Do you know what I mean? 
you know, conferences, you know, the party type yeah. kind of thing. But, but, but I think some practices definitely do that. I mean, I was in the practice last week and they're all going over to Spain together, you know, and they're going to see some fantastic photographs, you know, in Spain um, as part of the rebrand for the website and this, that and the other. Um, if that is expected, and let's face it, Laura, you've worked in a high-end uh, practice yourself. I am loose women in and out. But <laughs> there are certain things that was expected of you in the practice. Yep. You know, and if you're delivering five-star, six, seven-star experiences, and you need the team to do certain things to match your brand, well, then you've got to say. Because, you know, I work with, you know, we work with a range of different practices. And I can think about one practice that's very heavily into Invisalign. Um, <laughs> And their, their uh, team members are expected to do a lot more than just work at a practice. Mm, you know, they have yeah. to support symposiums, they have to do present presentation work. There's all different things. So you've really got to think about, you know, what are you advertising? Because for some nurses, they'll go, that is a job that I want. Yeah. Yeah. And so you've just got to make sure that your advert screams what you're going to offer. And then it's that person then to make a choice, isn't it? Yeah, I think on the flip side, you don't want to lead someone up the garden path, do you? As to thinking, you know, this is a standard dental nursing nine to five job when actually it's not. And there are expectations. Yeah, and then that needs to go in the advert, doesn't yeah. it? That's what I'm saying. The advert yeah. needs to be an opportunity of exactly what you're offering. Yeah. And just yeah. look at the wording. I think, again, we've mentioned it before, but just this week, a practice, a client said, oh, we're having trouble getting someone for this role. Can you have a look at the ad? And it was you know, I just, you know, jazzed it up a bit, really, by just, you know, changing the language. We're looking for someone outstanding to join our amazing team, you know, not we're looking for this person to do this. But we've we've gone through that before on podcast, so again, reference back, because that's all we've got time for this month. Um, wow, that's gone quick. It has. So we are back in December, <coughs> the final podcast of the decade. So make it a great one. Send your questions in. I'd also like to ask, if you are listening to us on iTunes, please give us a five-star review. We would really appreciate that. That would be wonderful. We'll be back next month. Thanks for listening. Thank you very much indeed. Happy November. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please subscribe so you can be notified of our next episode.